together. Can't believe you you missed that. All week long. All week long. God's word is true. Okay, here we go. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'm never going to be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise this morning. Amen. We're going to jump right in the Word of God. We're talking about God life. Everybody say God life. Oh, come on, say God life. Amen. Now you're here. God life. It's better than not God life. God life is better than ungod life. And we're saying God life, not God light. So some of you guys got your Miller light, your Bud light, and then you want your God light. No, we got God life. Okay? God life is Zoe life. The Greek word in the, in the uh, New Testament for life, when he's talking about eternal life, is Zoe. Z-O-E. It's God life. It is it's different than life without God. Right? By, by now, can't you quote it? You know, we, we've got John 10, 10. The thief came not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the top till it overflows. Jesus came to connect you to God life. You were separated from God life because of the fall of man. Adam blew it, and we ended up separated from God life. But Jesus came to reconnect us to real life. And that life is a bigger life, a stronger life, a better life. It's, there's more life than there is death. There's more health than there is sickness. There's more peace than there is chaos. There's more deliverance than there is bondage. There's more joy than there is sorrow. There's more hope than there is despair. There's more provision than there is necessity. That God life is better life. I know I'm preaching to the right group right now. I need to convince you that God life is better. And you want to engage in God life. See, can you imagine how confusing it must be to a non-believer who meets a believer who's telling the non-believer how much better life is since they became a believer? Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I met, I met Jesus. You have drugs. I have boring. Hello? Is it possible that we've connected with the wrong thing? I got to tell you something. God life is awesome. My life rocks. I love life. I can't wait. You, you don't realize, I can't wait to be here. I'm serious. You know, do you notice we're here a lot? I like being in the presence of God. I enjoy talking about the life I now live. But when you stand up here looking this way, it's scary. Because I'm not certain... That you're wrapping your brain around the truth of God life for you. God life is eternal life. Eternal life don't start when you're dead. Eternal life starts when you're born again. 
God wants you to have God life today. Before you leave the room, you have to have a revelation. Well, you know, that problem I got that I've been whining about for months really isn't all that big in comparison to the life that I now live. My life's bigger than my problem. My joy is greater than the sorrow that's been trying to attach itself to me. The, the vision that God has for my future swallows the depression that's tried to cling to my life. I'm actually going to act like I got God life. I guess you'll just have to watch me. Because <laughs> it seems like I'm all alone. I got God life. Look at Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live, look at it, the life I now live, the life I now live is different from the life I used to live. The life I used to live was a life that all I had was my strength, my power, my ability. But the life I now live is infused with the power of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now has quickened my mortal body. He dwells in me. The same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to raise the dead. That spirit operates in my life now. Does that spirit operate in your life? The same spirit... Hello, somebody. The same spirit... That Jesus used to open blind eyes, that spirit is now part of my life, operating, activated in me and in you. The same spirit, the same spirit that empowered Peter to walk on water is operating in my life. The same spirit that gave Jesus authority to speak to waves and they obeyed him. That's in my life. See, what the enemy wants you to think is that, that it ain't the same. It's not really the same. See, Jesus was God's son. So are you. Come on, girls. You can be the sons of God. If I have to be the bride of Christ, you can be the sons of God. <laughs> okay? You're a child of God. That spirit... The Holy Spirit is actually what is gracing you. See, a lot of us think grace is a blanket that covers up our sin. We say, we, we say things like when somebody's doing something really stupid, well, let's give them grace. What does that mean? Let's pretend like they're not stupid? I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of, that's kind of like a, a, a waste of Christ's investment. If the enemy can keep us ignorant, then we don't realize, oh, grace, it's not a blanket that covers my sin. If grace was a blanket that covered my sin, then the blood of Jesus didn't need to be shed. Because the blood of Jesus was shed to remove my sin. So if the blood removed my sin, then why would I need the blanket of grace? And if the blanket of grace was going to hide it, then why would he need to shed blood to remove it? But we've been, see, we've been taught our whole life, we've been, we kind of gravitate that grace is a limp-wristed look at life that, that we just make it soft. Grace elevates the bar. You, you don't understand that. In law you, couldn't, the, the law, you couldn't live the law no matter how hard you tried. So here comes grace, and Jesus elevates the bar. You with me? 
Do you understand that? That under the law, you couldn't commit murder. But Jesus said, he said, you say, thou shalt not kill. I say, you don't hate your brother. Because if you hate him, it's the same as killing him. So now, you, it's not going out and stabbing him with a knife. Now it's just thinking about it. What, I can't even think about it? Well, I better stay away from church then. <laughs> okay. It used to be, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, don't even go there in your heart. He raised the bar. Why? Because now you got grace. Grace doesn't remove the challenge. Grace infuses you with the power to succeed in a challenge. Hello? God's grace is His power activated by the Spirit that's going to position you to kick some devil booty. You're going to walk in insane victory, living a life that is a humiliation to hell. Hell's going to look at you and get nervous instead of you being afraid of hell. Hello? Why? Well, because the life I now live, I ain't living in my own strength. Look, put, put that back up there. I just want you to see something. That, that you, you may, maybe, maybe you already got this. Maybe I'm just having revelation. I'm all excited. And this is so old to you guys that you just act bored stiff. Okay. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the anointing. The anointed one, the anointing, cry. The anointing is in me. The spirit of God is in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. By by the faith of the Son of God. Can I just share something with you? Just blow your mind if you can get it. The just live by faith, but we ain't even talking about your faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Shut up. You, you, you know what that means, Josh? That even the stuff that I can't believe, well, he already did believe. So I ain't living by my faith. I'm living by his faith now. The obedience that I just can't seem to stir up, well, he already did it. So it's not even contingent upon my ability to obey God. Jesus already obeyed God, and I am now in Christ. So when I blow it, he covers me. Because I ain't living, I, I ain't getting judged by my faith. I'm getting judged by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That kind of takes the pressure off of moi. Because moi makes a lot of mistakes. Oui, oui. Right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of times I'm shifting out of my ability, you know, in Christ to my ability without Christ. And the deal is, is that when you're living out from under the grace that God has offered you so that you can be ready for anything, able to anything that comes your way through Christ, who's infusing you with an inner strength, and you're out here on your own, and you just quote in verses that you pulled out of your Holy Ghost fortune cookie. It ain't burning in your spirit. You know, you ever done that? Ever been, ever been taken? I mean, you're just on your own. You know it. You can tell it. It ain't, it ain't producing much. It's just me being me, and God's not there. You, you know, you can feel that pressure. 
But when you are under the power of the grace of God, then it doesn't make any difference what comes your way. You've got it. I got this. Look at your neighbor and say, I got this. See, Peter's outside the boat walking on the water. Well, Peter can't walk on water. But the grace of God will empower him to do what is impossible when he is in obedience to God. So when Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. All Peter had to do was obey. And because he was obeying what the Spirit said, the Spirit said to him, get out and walk. He got out and walked. Well, he ain't walking in his power now. He is now walking in the grace that is empowering him to achieve the impossible. Now, when he began to look at the storm and he told himself, I can't do that. He's 100% right. But now he's shifted from walk the walk of faith to the walk of sink. Ever taken a step in the power of sinkability? Of course we have. What's Jesus teaching us to do? To live led by the Spirit. When you're being led by the flesh, when you're being led by the carnal desires, when all of a sudden your life is not empowered by the Spirit of God, you don't have the grace of God. And you're back to the life you used to live. But the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. His faith. His obedience has positioned me. You know, we're constantly telling you that when you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. Your obedience, faith, is the, you know, the ability to obey regardless of the consequence, right? So obedience regardless of consequence. When you're doing what he said. Well, when you're walking in the power of Christ, you're, he's already done what he said. And now you've got a power that's way beyond your own. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's quickening your mortal body. Somebody say amen. John 16, 13 says that when he comes, speaking of the spirit now, Jesus is speaking of the spirit and he has come. This was written before he came. He said, when he comes, he's going to guide you into the truth and he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that's what he's going to say. And he's going to show you things to come. The spirit of God is going to lead you, is going to guide you. We know the Bible says that as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons and the daughters of God. We realize that we got to be led by the spirit. Right. And the spirit, what's he going to say? He's going to say what he's heard. Why, why do it? Why is that important? So that I realize that when the spirit of God is speaking, I'm going to know what he sounds like because it's going to sound like what he's already said. It's going to line up with the word of God. Here's why you got to get in the word of God, because if you don't know the word of God, then you'll hear a voice say this is the way walk ye in it. But you don't know if that's right or not, because, well, quite frankly, you haven't spent enough time in the word. Right. If you go home today and somebody swings by the house and they say, man, I got to tell you something about Tom. Pastor Tom, let me tell you some stuff about Tom. And you listen to it. You're going to say one of two things. You're going to say, I knew it. I've always thought that. Or you're going to say, that's not true. I know Tom. See, if you know somebody and you hear something that's wrong, you, you instantly say, that ain't right. No, but I know him too well. I just I know that's not right. But if you don't know him, you might believe anything. Right? Well, if you don't know God's word, you might be led to believe that that spirit was of God that told you to do something. Hello? Look at your neighbor and tell him, I hear voices. <laughs> we all do. 
We all, we all got this stuff going off in our head. We, all, you, we talk to ourselves all the time. Come on now. We talk to ourselves all the time. Well, there was about a one-week period where I didn't talk to myself. That's because earlier in the week, while I was talking to myself, I got mad at myself about what I told myself. So I just said, I ain't talking to myself ever again. Not only lasted a week. Now I'm talking to myself again because I forgive myself. <laughs> you talk to yourself. You're hearing voices. How do I know if that lines up with God or not? Well, if you're not in the Word of God, you don't know. Just, just kind of feels good. The Spirit of God told me. You know what, guys, 30-some years, dude, almost, I hate to say it, almost 40 years. I started traveling with my father when I was seven. Full-time traveling. We did church twice a day when I was seven. We were fanatics. Now we just do it three times on the weekend. A couple times during the week. Any other opportunity that we get. Yeah. <laughs> We've calmed way down. In the last 40 years, do you know how many times I've heard somebody say what the Spirit of God said? Really? It's, you know, it's so hard, isn't it? Isn't it kind of weird? You know, you start talking about the Spirit of God told me to do so. I heard the voice of God say. You've got to be kind of careful there because when you come up and say God told me to do something, how can anybody argue with it? You know, people come in and they're not looking for counseling. They're, they're giving, they're making announcements. God told us to do this. Would you pr please pray that he blesses it? You don't need us to pray that God blesses what he told you to do. If God told you to do it, guess what? He'll bless it. And it don't do no good to pray that God bless what you made up. <laughs> right? And, and And the fact is... <laughs> Uh, and the fact is that a lot of times we want it to be God really, really bad. But we can't prove it because we ain't got no word to base it on. We just hear voices. Well, what would happen if we learned to differentiate between all those other voices and the voice of God? What, what, what would happen? Can, can I just tell you a little something? Our lives would be so radically different. Because we've all done stuff, and he tried to prevent us, but we, we just weren't in tune enough. And we kind of justify not really waiting to hear from God or to, to listen to God. I mean, come on. You've been in a restaurant ordering what you knew you shouldn't order, and you, were, and you think you were telling yourself, don't order that, get the salad. But you ordered dessert anyways. Right? Oh, don't look at me like that. You've made purchases. That all the way through the process of signing those papers, you were telling yourself, you probably shouldn't be doing this. And for five and a half years later, you said, I knew it. I shouldn't have done that. How different would life be if we learned to be led by the Spirit? And instead of trying to please Others, instead of trying to project an image, we live from our true image. And all we lived to please was God. How different would our life be? I got to tell, tell you this. And, and 
I haven't told anybody else this. None of the other services. Saturday night, obviously, was the VBS service. And, and first service this morning, they were just mean, so I didn't even hardly talk to them. But uh, you guys seem warm now. Earlier, I thought, no, I ain't telling them either. But now, now, now we're getting close. And so I'm going to tell you something. I kind of sometimes think that what the church has done, what we have done, and I'll go even so far to say even what I have done, is that we got a taste of the blessing of God. And we've launched off into life to celebrate this blessing, kind of like the prodigal son when he got a piece of his inheritance. But he came to his right mind realizing that, you know, what I had, I've squandered, and it wasn't the full meal deal. I took off with a sack lunch, headed out of here thinking I had God's best. I didn't have God's best. I just had a taste of God's best. So now I'm demonstrating prosperity at my level, but I'm separated from the God life that God's actually called me to live. But if we could come to our right mind and come back to the Father, we step right back into the full blessing of God. Because we've come to our right mind and we realize that, you know what, I want to live to please God, not myself. I want to be led by the Spirit because when I'm led by the Spirit, God is glorified. And I know God's plan for my life is to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope, to give me a future, to remove despair, to get me out of my past, to catapult me into the very plan that He has ordained for my life. I've got to learn to trust God. And I've got to learn to hear His voice. I must be led by the Spirit. Let, let me just share a couple familiar scriptures with you that maybe if we look at it with a new light, a little bit of a different angle, maybe with some understanding of what this really saying. Look at Romans 6.23. Most of us can quote this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. First, let's talk about a gift. A gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. Right? A gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. If you had to earn it, it's no longer a gift. Now it's payment in full. But since God gave it, you don't have to earn it. How, how liberating would it be if we could have a real revelation that I'm not earning the love of God. I'm not earning God life. It is a gift that's been given to me who's done nothing to deserve it. The price that needed to be paid, the legal side of things, Jesus took care of. Now it's just, I'm amazed at your love for me. Because I don't have to work myself into this. It's just God's gift to my life. The gift of God is eternal life. What's that? Zoe life. I don't have to wait till I die. I start now that my spirit is alive. I'm born again. I'm living Zoe life. It's God's gift to me. Now, there have been many gifts that you've been given that you have never used. Think about the last couple of Christmases. And the things that you were given. How about with our children? The gifts we gave them, and they didn't use the gift. They used the box that we wrapped the gift in. Right? They enjoyed the boxes more than they did the gift. They thought the gift was the big box. And they built a house out of it, and they're still living in it in their bedroom. 
The fact is, is that we have received a lot of things that we're not using. It doesn't mean that we don't have it. doesn't mean that we don't have access to it. doesn't mean that it's not our possession. It just means that we don't take advantage of it. So Zoe life ain't something you got to go get. It's something you've been given that you have access to, that you could live if you want to, but you don't have to. Well, I want to live the Zoe life. I want to live with God's grace empowering me, ready for anything equal to everything that comes my way. I want joy unspeakable filled with glory. I want more life than death. I want more health than sickness. I want more peace than sorrow. I want, hello somebody. If I got it in the closet, how do I get it out? What, what has kept that life from overwhelming my life? Well, that would be the wages of sin. Because death is not dead. Death is separation. Again, back to the prodigal son who was out wasting what his father had given him. He comes to his right mind, comes back home. His father, seeing him afar off, says, give me a ring, give me a coat, give me the shoes, kill the fatted calf. My beloved son who is dead is alive again. Well, physically he wasn't dead. He was just separated. So sin will separate you from life. The gift that God gave you, that you ain't got to earn. So what does the church do when we hear that sin can separate us? We decide to make sin a list of rules and regulations so that we have people acting the way we want them to act. Hello? Come on now, it's like a bowling league. We can make you wear an ugly shirt. We can make you wear goofy shoes. We can make you show up on time and pay your dues, or you can't be part of the league. Hello? It doesn't matter whether you can bowl or not. It's will you follow our rules. Now, if you're really good, we might bend our rules. But if you're just an average bowler, you've got to agree to pay. You gotta agree to be here. You gotta be, you gotta agree to wear the right stuff. And if you get really, you know, committed and, and excited about it, you'll get your own wrist stiffener, your own double ball bag, your own towel and embroider your initials on it. You'll do all of that. And that's kind of what church life becomes is that we wear the right stuff. We say the right things. We've got the right family size Bible. And, and if we're sinning, Well, that means that we're smoking or we're drinking or we're chasing or hello. And we have a list of sins. Well, the word sin is an archery term, which literally means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. One one of the definitions of the word sin means to wander off the trail. So if God has carved a trail for your life, if you wander off the trail, you're in sin. You're in the wilderness. You're separated from the road that God carved out for you. Well, how do I wander off the road? How do I miss the mark? If I'm led by the Spirit, I'm going to stay on the trail. Right? Isaiah 
said, you'll hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right or to the left. That word behind thee is not an angel on assignment. That's the word that you've sown into the heart, of, you know, so that when you get to a position in life that you don't know what to do, the word that's been sown into the fertile soil of your heart behind you comes up inside of you and says, here we go. I know what to do here because God's word says. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So David said, I'm turning the light on. I'm not going through life in the dark. I've got God's word. God's word's going to guide me. The spirit's going to speak to me. And he's not going to say just whatever comes to his mind. He's going to say what he's heard. What has he heard? The word. Jesus came in John 3.16. Check it out. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever... Somebody say, that's me. I'm part of the whosoever. That whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have zoe, everlasting life. Look at verse 17. God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn it, but through Him, the, the world might be saved. He didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to bring salvation. Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Jesus is not here for condemnation. We know Romans, if, if any man be in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. Yet we make sin all about condemnation. Check it out. Verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. By the way, New Testament theory. If you believe, you're actually acting in agreement with your belief. A belief system. Every action is a manifestation of a belief system. Not every, not, not every confession. See, we're backwards in, in our mentality because if I ask you how many of you believe reading the Bible is vital to spiritual growth. Well, let's, let me just ask you. How many of you believe reading the Bible is vital to spiritual growth? Hold your hand up. Come on, if you believe that, hold your hand up. Okay, look around the room. Okay, now I'm going to ask another question and be very honest or God will strike you dead. <laughs> How many of you, without fail, every day read your Bible? Not quite as many hands. So what I have to tell you is, is that all of you who raised your hand and said, I believe reading the Bible is vital. You don't really believe that because a belief is an action that manifests in your life. See, you think you have this thought that says, oh, I, I think is probably right. But a belief is something you act on. You act on it. Don't look at me like I just wounded you. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. This is how the enemy gets us. He has this, well, I'm a believer. Really? Where's our action? No, we are training ourselves. Our ambition is, I'm going to be in the Word of God every day. But I get up. Let me see if this, so let me see if you can relate to this. I wake up in the morning and I lay there thinking, I got plenty of time. This is perfect. I got a lot of time. This is going to be an awesome day. I look over the clock again, and now I'm late. Oh, get up out of bed, run in, jump in the and then I get in the car, and I realize, okay, it's time to go home. Pull up in the house. 
that was crazy. What just happened? I don't know. Where, where have I been? Who have I talked to? What happened? All I know is I'm tired. Come in the house, I'm going to spend some family time. Did you know it's time to go to bed? I'm in. Have you ever had days like that? Ever have time? Ever have time that's just, it's gone. And what you intended to do didn't get done. You believed you were going to do it. <laughs> but it didn't happen. That's how the enemy uses time to rob us of Kairos, God-infused opportunity. See, if you're not awake, you miss your opportunity. The fact of the matter is, is that if you think I should read my Bible, that's a thought, a belief is action applied to it. When we really believe, we'll really be doing it. He that believeth isn't condemned. But he that believeth not, he's already condemned. You want to know why? Because he's, he's separated from God's word. He's separated from Zoe, and he don't even know it. Are we really living Zoe? Jesus came to connect us to it, not to separate us from it. Look at verse 19. Here is the condemnation. That the light has come. But we've loved darkness more than we love light. This is the condemnation. This is the thing that's going to separate you from God life. Is that enlightenment has been sent to mankind through Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. First, or John 1, 1, John 1, like verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt. It's all about Jesus is the Word. He's the light. When God sent Jesus, He sent His Word. He sent enlightenment. So sin, the wages of sin is death. Sin isn't not following a rule. Sin is hearing the voice of the Spirit that's guiding you, but not doing what He said. See, what we do is we get all caught up in the midst of life, in the chaos, and our focus is on the storm when it really needs to be on the voice in the storm. And we get impressed with our storms. See, we are under the impression that if God is really for me, there wouldn't be a storm. But all through the Bible, you read of people who are right in the middle of the will of God and in the middle of a storm. Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. They get in a boat and they head to the other side. Are they obeying God? Yes. He's in the boat. He said, let's go. He's in the boat. They're going. Suddenly, a hurricane proportion storm. We ain't talking about Kennewick wind. We're talking about a hurricane comes up. They go down, wake up, Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to die? He comes up. Remember, speaks to the storm. It becomes peace. He looks at them and says, guys, where is your faith? I'm sleeping. Can't you deal with this storm? He's been teaching them and training them and getting them, getting them prepared to, to, to deal with the storms of life. And they're still amazed by the storm. But they haven't remembered his voice. So there's a storm they speak to. Later on, he sends them out again. Go to the other side. I'm going to meet you. They get in the boat. They're going. The storms come up, and they're rowing hard. Jesus is walking on the water, passing the guys in the boat. How frustrating is that? You've got Evan Rudin. He's got Reebok. He's beating you in a foot race. You've been out all night 
Trying to get somewhere. Can't get anywhere. Here he comes, walking on the water. Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come. He says, come. He gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. You know the story. Here's the deal. is The guys are still in the middle of the will of God, in the middle of a storm. The fact that you're in a storm does not mean you're out of the will of God. The will of God has a lot of storms. One of them, he said, speak to it. The next one, he said, walk through it. Paul, on a voyage, the kids learned last week, on a ship, what's going to happen? You're going to lose everything, but don't be afraid. Just cling to a piece of wood. You'll float through it. So here, God sends an angel to tell, to tell him, don't, don't get messed up. You're going to make it. Right? So one storm we're walking through, one storm we're speaking to, one storm we're floating through, but we're making it through every storm. So we've are crazy, and we look at the storm when we need to listen to His voice. Because I need to hear from God. Am I speaking to it? Or am I walking through it? Or am I going to just hang on to the cross? That's the wood that I cling to and float through this bad boy. I already know I'm going through the storm. Because the Spirit has told me things to come. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I don't freak out in a storm. I just gotta, I gotta learn to listen. I just gotta listen. Why? Because to miss the mark is gonna separate me from life. I don't wanna be separated from life. I wanna be connected to life. So what does the Spirit say? What's crazy is that the Spirit tells you in the similar situations to do totally different things. So I've got to know the Word of God. So that when I get to the crossroad, I recognize the Spirit. And he's saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I stop and go, that's the Spirit of God. I have to be awake. If I'm not awake, I'm going to miss the leading of the Spirit. I have to be bold. Because if I'm not bold, wind's going to blow. Waves are going to toss. I'm going to let go of what God said. Jesus said, come, but I'm going to be sinking anyways. Because I'm going I'm to freak out because walking on windy water is impossible. Well, isn't walking on flat Water, impossible too? Oh yeah, I never stopped to think about that. So, i got to be awake or I'll miss it. i got to be bold and i got to be consistent. got to be consistent. i got, I got to talk to you for a minute about consistency. You know what it is really? It's patience. Patience is not standing there doing nothing. Patience means to remain the same from the beginning to the end. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Just read it and repeat it. 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 And pretty soon, what used to not make any sense at all makes perfectly good sense now because now it's not a word of God. It's a word from God. My father, when he was quite young, youngest of seven men, had two sisters, they were poor. They lived out in, in the woods outside of Jacksonville, Oregon. Uh, they were putting in the railroad. My father got a job about 14, 15 years old uh, as a rock crusher. They took him out and they put him on top of boulders the size of Volkswagen Beetles. They gave him a sledgehammer and they gave him 25 minutes of training. 
If you hit it this way, the flashback is going to come back and hit you in the face. If you learn for the face of the sledgehammer to hit it a certain way, it'll go away from you. Trust me, you'll learn fast. Figure it out. Get to hitting it. Hit the rock in the same spot every time. How long? We don't care. Keep hitting the rock. So you're up on top of a rock the size of a Volkswagen Beetle with a sledgehammer, and you're figuring out how to hit it without it flashing back in your face. And if you don't learn, you quit because you get tired of rocks hitting you in the face. And this is before they had safety goggles. Okay, this is back in the day. And he took us out and he showed us how they trained him and how they did this. And i got to tell you, it's the most amazing thing. You don't know if it's the second hit, the third hit, the fourth hit, or the 1439th hit. But at one point, when you hit the rock, the same place with great intensity, over and you don't know which time, but there's one point when you hit the rock and it sounds like a giant watermelon that's just split and it goes, and the rock splits in half. That's consistency. Some of you are up against a rock wall, and it just seems like you just, well, I've been hammering this thing and hammering this thing and hammering this. Well, you gotta, you got to stay consistent. Wouldn't it be a real bummer to find out that you gave up one blow before breakthrough? Well, I tried it, and it didn't work. No, you quit. You weren't patient. you got to remain consistent. See, you've got to be awake. Look at your neighbor and say, be awake. Some of you haven't even figured out these are the same points we got last week. Well, you've got to be awake. You've got to be awake. You've got to be bold. You've got to be consistent. Or you're going to be separated from the life that Jesus came to connect you to. Jesus came to connect you to life. You cannot allow yourself to get separated. Somebody say, amen. God came to give you a gift. It only makes sense that your enemy wants to separate you from that gift. You have rights, legal rights. You have power available to you. But if you don't access that by faith, if you don't access grace by faith, we have access. The Bible says we have access to to grace by faith. If you don't obey God, how can you obey God if you don't know what God said? If I can convince you that your life is fine just the way you live in it, you doing everything right, and you just, you just keep doing what you want, well, you're not going to be connected to God life. But if I can convince you, you know what, you're at the threshold of amazing victory. Amazing victory. And everything in the past really doesn't matter that much. It's what's coming right up here in your future. See, your enemy is trying to rip from your grip your future, your family, and your faith. Your future is not 50 years from now. It's five minutes from now. If you can do what the Spirit of God is leading you to do in the next five minutes and get consistent at that, instead of being insanely busy, you can be insanely effective. Instead of running around trying to please everybody, You can live a life that pleases God. And you'll find that when you please Him, everything that really matters is added back to your life. He knows you have need of these things. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to bring something to you. He's not trying to empty you of everything valuable. He's trying to bring incredible fulfillment of everything that really matters. God isn't against us. He's for us. And once we learn to hear his voice, 
We, do, we can stay consistent. We won't cave in in the middle when the wind's blowing. We, we don't blame God. We don't look at our situation and say, well, I guess God's a liar. No, we know God's true. So we don't, we don't give up and cave in and quit in the middle. We, we stay consistent all the way to the end. And we watch God produce what he promised every single time. Why? Well, because we're doing what he said. I'm not so busy doing what you said that I can't take time to do what God said. That's the other way around. Sometimes I can't do what you want because I'm busy trying to do what God wants. Have you taken time to hear God? Maybe what you have to do is go back and do the last thing God told you. Just pick it up there. Maybe it's just time to go back. You remember when the guys were traveling, they had Jesus, and they traveled three days without Jesus before they realized that Jesus wasn't there? And they started going around camp. Have you seen Jesus? Have you, have you read the story? Let me just close with this picture. Jesus is God. Can you imagine having God traveling with you? And pretty soon you've traveled three days without seeing God. And you go, oh my God. So you start asking people, have you seen God? No, I haven't seen God. Is, mm, is God with you? Nope, God ain't here. It's like talking to a bunch of church people. When's the last time you saw God? We haven't seen Him in years. Well, what are we going to do? Somebody has a revelatory, inspired idea. They say to, to Mary, where was the last place you saw him? Well, he was in the temple teaching. Well, why don't you go back to the last place you saw him? Maybe it's time that we went back to the last place we saw God. Last place we heard God. Maybe you're sitting in the room going, I never heard God. Well, maybe it's time you turned off everything else until you heard him. Maybe it's time you take the Word of God and you pray. Maybe, maybe you're going to have to get some help. Maybe you're going to have to come to somebody and say, you know what? I, I'm not sure how to hear God. If you're sitting here today and say, you know, I've always been a little bit afraid of people who hear God. Well, we're a little bit afraid of people who don't. The Spirit of God is talking to you all the time. He's leading you and guiding you. I know you think it's you. But it's him. This is the way. Don't do that. Be careful there. Don't say that. Oh, don't feel that way. You, you know that's just flesh and emotion. Knock it off. How many times have you told yourself, I'm just telling myself. Well, maybe that's God. Maybe the Spirit really is trying to lead you and guide you into the truth. Maybe he really is taking you into a head-on collision with real life. Maybe we ought to slow down just long enough to let God speak in our life. What do you think? Let's close our book, bow our heads, and pray. Father, we just.